Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and give up in general? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if if but but good? good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. What if... <laughs> hey. hey guys, it's episode it's probably episode sixteen. I have not been counting. We We're got fourteen. Okay. We there's, missed a couple. There's a little Hollywood accounting in there. But yeah. but it's 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 been a semester and we got three first drafts. Yeah. Hey, we did it. We, we did the thing. I'm patting myself on the back literally right now. I, know, I, mm-hmm. I would just like to say I'm impressed that we actually did this and didn't just like Oh, we can do it next week. We can do it next week to keep mm-hmm. tabling it until it stops happening. That we actually yeah. had the tenacity and gumption to get it done. Well, nothing. Listen, I can't account for my own personal gumption, but uh, shame is a huge motivator for me. <laughs> and, and there's nothing like a public forum to, you know, incentivize me to stay up till one thirty, yeah. extra, few extra times a semester. Yeah. Um, okay. How how do people feel? Let's let's go around the table. We 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 did the damn thing. We, we did got, the damn thing. Yeah. Um. I feel pretty good, honestly. Um, I was like I was saying, I sat down and I read it. I printed it out, did the whole thing, and instead of like annotating it at all, I just sat down. I read it in one sitting and just kind of let it wash over me. Mm-hmm. And I realized I'm a little more proud of it than I thought I was, um, especially in terms of the way that tension ratchets up and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and things kind of slowly come together and. Um, it, it makes more sense than I thought it did because this, this writing process was weird for me because there was no, no real going back. It was like right. a lot less like ironing than I'm used to. Totally. Yeah. I, I am not used to moving on when there are changes I know I want to make to stuff that I've written. Right, exactly. That is totally new for me. Yeah, and so sitting down and reading this and realizing that like the, the idea is still sparking more so than the way that I thought it was, which was that I was just going to be done out and over with, with this thing. And it was like the idea itself was like, nope. Yeah. There, there are things that you have to do, and because it's my last script, I want it to be a good one, I realized. It's like, I want it to be better. I want to get it to a point where I, I can just post it on Blacklist, blacklist passively for two months and see what happens, you know, that right. kind of thing. It's like, yeah. well, is shit. It, is that how you get on the Blacklist? You post it? Yeah, there, you, there's you a whole B-L-C-K-L-S-T dot something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and you just, like, you throw it up there, you pay a little money, gotcha. and then people read and review it, and then... This is, this is probably a bad time to bring this up. I, I realize that uh, in the process of doing this, um, it occurred to me that I, I have absolutely no idea what a person does with a screenplay after they've written it. <laughs> right. If, yeah. if you are not already a screenwriter with an agent, and right. like I've, I've well, no screenwriters have agents now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Managers, I guess. I guess. Uh, prospectors. <laughs> Panning for golders. <laughs> Panning for elders. For, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I. I I have no fucking idea what. I'm but yeah, no, I want to. I want to <laughs> keep going. That's um, great, man. I want to. I want to. I, I know that there's some stuff that needs some work, and I know I have an idea of how I want to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. What about you, Peter? I mean, you you are the you finished last recording. I did, so. and I didn't make any changes since then. Right. Um, I I feel good, man. Like 
for, for me, if I had put this project on myself, and I didn't have you guys, it never would have ever happened. Right. Like, I felt good about the, the idea from the beginning, but uh, if, it, like I said, if it weren't for this podcast, it would just be like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll write half of an outline, and then maybe I'll write a scene or two, and I can come back to this when I have a little time. Right. The summer's looking kind of busy. Yeah, the fall is looking kind of busy. The winter's looking kind of busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and then you lose faith in the idea at some point, too. It was never good to begin with. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My last project went almost exactly like that, mm-hmm. where I had this idea for a TV pilot that I really, really liked, and then I uh, wrote on it a little bit uh, just to get the characters and the outline fleshed out for the pilot episode, and then I went down rabbit holes of, like, what season one look like completely? What season two look like completely? And then I was like, uh... I'm overthinking this. Oh, no, I'm, I'm underthinking this. No, i right. got to bake it properly, you know. Mm-hmm. But having these meetings every week or every week and a half or every two weeks even has just been really helpful for me to be like, hey, these guys are going to have their stuff done. <laughs> you yeah. better have your stuff done or you'll look like an asshole. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah totally. That's uh, uh, Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, pretty much every single year since I have, since I graduated college, there has been a project that I've worked on. Um Two of them, I made it to the end, and they were R-U-F rough. <laughs> and then with each passing year, I've, I've gotten less far through. Yeah. Um, and it's always been the, like, as soon as it gets time to, to doing the hard part, where you just have to commit to something and yeah. move on, you know, that's when I'm like, maybe maybe Ghost Terrorist isn't a good screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that isn't a Oh, idea. that's right, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot about, about, about Ghost Terrorist. Not Terrorist. a bit. Real, real, real thing I tried to write, uh, folks. Um, the Taliboon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, it's, it's, this has been so fantastic to have a reason to write. Yeah. Because there's other people who... I'm going to be meeting with and who give a shit. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the yeah. key thing is that like less, it's less about shame and more about that. There are others who actually care what I'm writing right now. Right. You know, and that's kind of gives you extra motivation too in a, in a healthier way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I've been in writing groups before where there's like seven or eight people and I don't like all of their writing. Not all of them like my writing. Right. Uh, or, or at least are invested enough in it, whether they think I'm good or not, whatever. But it's just like, yeah, you're writing a story about esports. I don't really <laughs> have anything to say about that, right. really. Yeah. You know, and uh, then those those groups always fizzled out after a couple of weeks, and uh, or like I had to bail on them, or they had to bail on me, or whatever. Mm. Uh, also, eight people's a lot. Yeah, a lot. they were trying to do like a seminar kind of thing, but uh-huh. it, it didn't didn't pan out. But I think this is like the right number of folks and the right level of investment. You know, yeah. because if if no one really cares about what them, they themselves are writing, or let alone other people are writing, then it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to force it is, is really a waste of time, I think. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about the new pages we got. Okay, Peter, Peter. step outside. Okay. <laughs> I'll be back in an hour. No, <laughs> no um, uh, so uh, Evan, rock paper scissors. You want to go first? I'll just go first. Okay, I got I got less. Um. So yeah, this is I, I wrote everything that I wrote this week or this this time around was uh, five months after the rest of the screenplay, um, and so I tried to pay attention to different ways that I can make character changes. Um, and in reading back on it, I think I made Cosmo a little too much like College Jordan on accident. Um, but other than that, I feel like it ends on a good note, like with them at the restaurant. You don't really 
Because I and I was un, I feel like the writing might be unclear with the last scene, where it's basically like the camera is outside the restaurant and you just kind of see them interacting inside the restaurant. Because um, that's how I want it to be, where you just kind of like see them interacting. You don't know what they're talking about or anything like that, but you just see their energy together and you're like, oh, they're gonna be okay. Right. You know, and because I don't want it to be explicit. If if it was, um, that that's never been the point of this movie is like ex, you know explicitly having them get together. So, I I think I ended it on a bit note though. Yeah, I definitely got a lost in translation ending. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we know they're talking, and at least they're talking. It's not like dead silence. Right. right. Like so, what do you like to do? Yeah. Like a bad. Person. How's the divorce going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I I I also really liked the the interaction with Stephen Cosmo where he's like, "How's the job at the you know the the baseball thing going?" And yeah. I I what I really like about it is that it seems like it's a little rough, but he's committed to working on it and getting better and like uh i i think that that's great and and that's like exactly the lesson that i feel like steve needed to learn in Mm -hmm. the story is like it's better to like like the 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 broadcast that you you do that is sort of awkward and weird is better than the perfect one that you don't right and and, and like action is better than inaction right even if it's not per, you know, even right. if it's flawed. Yeah, where it's like they have they have faith enough in him after five months of being there that they're putting him on camera now. Um, that being said, I have a question, and this yep. is not a uh, this isn't like I, I don't think that this works. This is a this isn't the direction I expected it to go, and okay. I and I, I want to I just want to hear you say your thoughts on this. Yeah. So, given that dynamic, the uh, you know action is better than inaction. In this final scene. He gets set up by Cosmo and uh, Lena. Right. Tell me about that. Um, he never he never makes the move. Himself. Yeah. Um, and I but he's about to is the thing is it's right. like whereas like if, if Cosmo hadn't just like jumped in and done what, um, what I'm thinking now is that like the the way that it works isn't the way that it should work more so that. It should be like Cosmo comes in and like does his thing thing that's written there, but then right. Steve tells him like shut the fuck up. Right. You know this is my chance. This is my moment. Right. You know, um, and I'd agree with that. That like that kind of undermines the change that I'm trying to go for. Gotcha. Um, what I got out of that particular interaction was um, Steve has already shown earlier in the scene that he has stepped up and changed. Right. And also time passed. Right. That's really important, that time passed. That this isn't a week later, this is five months later. Right. Um, and, I mean, the name of the movie, the theme and plot, <laughs> like, it, it, it ties in pretty well there. Yeah. Right. Um, and now Cosmo has to prove something. Uh, right. And that's why Cosmo takes that action. I would still agree with what you're saying, Evan, that yeah. uh, if Cosmo takes that action, it's good that he takes that action, but that can't be the final right. thing that, yeah. that tips over the scales. Right. It has to be Steve saying, like, no... Thank you for, you know, teaching me whatever. Yeah. But Thank you, I Zen Master. Drive. Yeah. Right. It, you know, maybe if there's something like Cosmo's, like, listen, she's in there. You need to go talk to her. And he's like, I, we're, we're gonna hang out at Barney's. It's, right. It's, it's, it's like I'm not. She's in. She's in a thing. Yeah. We're already gonna like. I don't know. That, that that's that's bad. Don't do that. But <laughs> but uh, yeah. No. And and I and I I agree that the 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 change that we see in Cosmo is important. Mm-hmm. And and. Yeah, this is not, it's it's nice. Okay. It's like it's like a it's a very it's a very like sweet little ending. You know right. what I mean? It's that, not... That's kind of what I was aiming for. Not not so much closure as just like oh the story is over even though it's continuing. Right. You know? Exactly. This like, little window in their life 
is, is over. Right. Because the, the big conflict for them, for all the characters, has been not really having their shit together. Like, just not being in a in a emotional place to right. handle the problems that life is throwing at them. Right. And so if we can just see that they have matured, yeah, we don't actually, we don't need a, a run to the airport or a, a big dramatic thing like mm-hmm. that. If we just see, like, oh, they, they're doing okay. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. does... The one, the one thing that just popped in my head was, uh, does Jordan need a mention in these last like two pages, or can we just forget about him? I don't think that he does. No, I agree do with I. that. Yeah, because yeah. we talked last week about how, like, the point of villains is that they can't make the change right, usually. Yeah, and uh, he he's disconnected from the story now that he's not with Rebecca. Right. Yeah. You know? He's always that kind of like feeder fish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One question I have for you. Okay. This is gonna be tough. Yeah. Uh, is um. The two male characters make dramatic changes. Uh-huh. The two women characters accept that the men have made changes. Mm-hmm. Do you want them to have moments for themselves in this final scene where they are like... Because Rebecca accepting an invitation from Steve is kind of that moment. Right. Uh, and still... Lena's previous scene where she like confronts Cosmo is also kind of that moment. But it felt a little to me like Oh, the the dudes learned their lesson, and now they can be with the women they love. Uh-huh. You know? Which uh, I I don't think is exactly what you're going for. I think you've given these these women more depth over the yeah, course. Yeah, uh, I I think it just comes down to me accidentally underwriting the women character again, characters again. Well, and and, and I mean we'll get to mine, but it, there's there's a lot to talk about when it comes to accidentally uh, writing underwriting female characters yeah yeah it's it's guys we gotta be on the lookout for it's we gotta be out on yeah, the lookout i mean it even ties back to what i was telling you guys about rebecca's first introduction in the in the screenplay that i had to go back and make additions to it right um for the you know because i'm a dude and they're thereby like naturally i feel like i'm gonna gravitate more towards the male characters and we are 90 percent of the stories we've ever seen have underwritten female characters in them that, that's and, true uh, too which is not an excuse but it, it is like uh, it's not an excuse but at the same time if you're trying to write something different like i am right and it's like i need to have their payoff as well whereas like maybe it's just a a longer bit between lena and rebecca before mm-hmm. steve comes in or something like that yeah yeah it's 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 a. Uh, you know, this is the time to be thinking about that stuff, and and this is when those mistakes are made, yeah. and this is when we have a chance to do it better. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good that I'm aware you're making me aware of that during the first draft, mm. and not seven yeah. drafts later. Right? Is, We're just like, oh yeah. god, I'm down this rabbit hole, aren't I? Right. So um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Con- congratulations, dude. You wrote you wrote a first draft on the screenplay. Yay! Sorry, it was shorter than your guys's. Uh, no, I don't. I the, feel like the, your line producer is, is nothing but gratitude. <laughs> you just you just saved ten million dollars. <laughs> um, One quick thing before we move on to please styles. Yes. Uh, do you know if your screenwriting software has this is a question for both of you has gender highlighting? I think so. Mine does not, but I, I have the, the Toyota stanza of <laughs> screenwriting programs. So, uh, my, I, don't got you. I don't have cup holders. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually, in my car, I literally do have only one cup holder. It's a, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. It's, anyway. it, it's a power move. When you're driving and you got a passenger, you're like, you got to hold it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's for me. That's <laughs> that is for my soda. That's where that goes. Yeah. Uh, I Mine does, and I was... Pretty. I, I've been tracking it throughout the screenplay. Uh-huh. Like each time, I always look at uh, the characters, and you assign genders, male, female, unspecified, or other, mm-hmm. uh, to every character, and then it tells you 
who has the most lines, who speaks the most words. Right, that's and, really cool. Uh, and how many characters you've assigned different genders to. Yeah, I know Faden has uh, like character breakdowns and shit. I don't know if it's like gender specific, but okay. you can definitely like pull up like character pages and see right. who's doing what and how much a percentage of like what they've got and all that things. You can quickly figure that stuff out for yourself. Yeah, using that yeah. I, I, I only pulled up the... I, I haven't really delved into it just because I was just like, gotta fucking finish, gotta fucking right. don't don't focus on the data yet. Um, yeah. I, I looked at the I looked at the the word counts, and I use shit more than fuck. It turns out. Oh. I learned that and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll file it away for no reason. Yeah. So uh, I have the numbers in front of me right now, uh -huh. and it's uh, for my own scripts. And mm -hmm. I I I was I tried so hard to be conscious about this. Um, I have ten characters listed as male. 12 listed as female, 8 as unspecified, including, like, choir, or, like, right. three people talking at once. Uh, so that's 33% male characters, 40% male characters, 27% unspecified. But, in terms of actual words spoken, men talk for 61% of this movie. Damn! Oh. I fucked up! <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's not something you, you want to, like, focus on as you're writing. That's something that, that, is, that is some beautiful, rich, buttery cornbread to devour during your second draft. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's that's the time for that. The, I think the, the problem, the biggest problem is that four of the six characters who, like, actually matter, or four of the seven characters who actually matter, mm -hmm. are male, and it's one, three, four, and six. Yeah. And then Sammy is, in, it's listed by number of words spoken. Right. Sammy is two, and then Judy is five. Right. Huh. So maybe I'll just switch the gender for Aaron or Miguel. Yeah. <laughs> that could work. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might yeah. Have, him, yeah. have Miguel be like a female personal trainer. Or yeah. Aaron be a lady dick. Oh, okay. It took me a second. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, heard, I, heard, I heard the just like exhaustion. I was like, what? <laughs> Where are we going with yeah. this? <laughs> um, have Aaron be a female asshole. There we go. As opposed to a male asshole. Yeah. Um, asshole being the gender neutral term for someone who's a bad person, according to Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> is that how she said that? Uh, Eleanor, one of my favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quotes is, um, if you have the impulse to call someone a bitch, try calling them an asshole instead. It, uh, it will get your point across just as well, and it, you're not uh, attacking them for their gender, for just for their behavior. My favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quilt is, uh, wow, quilt, quote, <laughs> Roosevelt quote, is, uh, America is about speed. Hot, <laughs> hot, nasty, badass speed. Eleanor Roosevelt, which is the beginning of Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be mine, too. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I, I, I would be fascinated to look at my metrics. I, I highly doubt my unspecified uh, software, on the off chance that they want to sponsor us, <laughs> uh, is uh, can provide anything like that. What yeah. am I kidding? Celtics doesn't have money for sponsorships. <laughs> they have money to make a good software. Um, uh, no, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, but I would. I definitely want to look at some of that stuff. Um, uh, speaking of which, pages, baby. pages, baby. Um, the Act One came in under under thirty pages. Yeah. Which I, Congratulations. I, was, I was stoked on. That's. Exactly what you wanted. That's, that's right what I wanted. Yeah. I certainly didn't want it to be more than that. Right. Um, I feel like most of... Okay, so... so um, the, the biggest challenge with... As, as you guys saw, I did some very extensive rewrites on the stuff that I, I already yeah. sent you. Yeah. Uh, not, not as extensive as my rewrites usually are, but they were still pretty big. And I, I feel like the biggest challenge with this was definitely getting 
like getting the technical uh, aspects. Just, just okay. So, what characters need to be where, knowing what at what times? Right. Getting that stuff to the, line kind up. Kind of the logistics of it. Getting the logistics to line up with anything that was emotionally satisfying at all. Right. Because um, I don't know of, what Yvonne and Margot do. Yeah. 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 It, that's, but that's definitely a tough balance for sure in turn when when trying to write something sci-fi, um, trying to find emotion in technical. Jargon. Well, even even beyond the technical jargon of like how the machines work, which you did a really good job not overdoing it. Oh, thank but you. Yeah. Um, the my my trick is I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> um, uh, that's not true. I, I I do know, but um, the uh, more so than that, it was just like okay, so Flora needs to meet Victoria. Victoria needs to, you know, like, and and what I found was. I think just through my, my outlining process, I, I got it down to the absolute minimum amount of steps right. that I could, um, where there's there's one scene with a gang at the beginning, yeah, and then it's all Flora. Yeah, 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 yeah and which is good. I, uh, I got all the way to, like, almost the end of the first act, and I was rereading it, and I added two scenes, and I'm, I'm curious if you guys have any ideas which two scenes I, I went back and added and it and at that point I was close enough to the end that I was like I, I have a few pages to spare I can uh-huh. I can afford to make act one a little bit longer and it felt extremely important for the just the arc of the story um I am I am curious if you have any thoughts and also I should just stop talking and hear from you guys because um so two scenes you added that weren't there before yeah I got I got all the way to them arriving at the at the crashed carrier. Oh yeah! And then I, I read through it, and there were there were two beats that felt lackluster. Two or... beats that weren't there. Oh, and I was like, I, I I have to I need to have those. I think. Was it her freak out at the factory floor? Um, like... that I think you guys already read the, the yeah. one where she gets called out and yeah, well, everybody. It, it seemed different this time around. Like it... a little more like that she comes out of that shit and is just like. Like when you come off of whatever they put you on to for your wisdom teeth, and you right. come out and you're just saying whatever you want. I really liked that. And she was just like, hey, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> um, that was in the original version, but it's it's I, the tone of it is pretty. Like I, I definitely did changes to that, but that scene was in the in the original draft. I'm scrolling through here. I think one of the two scenes is one of the two Xavier scenes, mm-hmm. where uh, either he's explaining what he wants the world to be. Or the scene where she first walks in and sees Xavier briefly, and he, he like brushes her off. One of those two scenes. It was not one of those. Two ah, scenes. mother lover. Um, Melon farmer. The, though I had to, those scenes were tough, and and what was tough about them was figuring out exactly what the story is with Xavier and Flora. Hmm. Um, yeah. There was there was versions where there was a version of this where she arrives and everyone's really stoked and it's like oh yeah we have very high expectations for you we've heard really good things and she's like I have imposter syndrome. There was other versions where it's like I think closer to what it is now where it's like new kid in class and feeling very underprepared. And yeah. Um, okay, I got another guess. Okay. The scene where Victoria buys Flora a sandwich. Oh, um, that actually. Technically, the answer is yes. I that wasn't the one I was thinking of, but I did go back and add that later. That's, um, yeah. uh, and and the the thing which I thought of, or like originally, it was Flora walks up and she sees the long line, and Victoria just sort of says, "Hey, it's me again," and they just have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I 
I realized that this this is the scene where uh, Obi Wan rescues Luke from the Sand People. Yeah. And what's important about that scene is no is realizing we can trust Obi Wan. The reason I thought it was that scene was because she buys her a sandwich, and then in the next scene she buys her other food. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, it was clear it's a really <laughs> shitty sandwich. It's, it, she doesn't take the sandwich, but yeah, uh, it, it felt like mm-hmm. that was kind of a maybe a very minor oversight. It, uh, I that the I was thinking about it was like okay, so the story is Flora is very hungry, and the way that Victoria is going to show she's in in her on on her side is is like okay, you don't have to talk to me. I am going to pay for the sandwich because I can regardless of whether or not you help me I can I can see that you need my help and then I was like so part of the reason so then Flora's gonna go with Victoria and Flora leaves the sandwich then that's gonna scan weird is like she just bought you a fucking sandwich and you're gonna leave it so I I think I what I have in there is that she like puts it in her purse (laughs) where, where she's like I am gonna go with Victoria I don't know what we're gonna talk about so I am gonna keep the shitty wet sandwich um you know, the, the two the two scenes were that I was thinking of were first of all um, the the very very first Flora's introduction is is new when you guys read my pages last time we we meet her sort of leaving the factory and walking out into the street and this this sort of opening scene where she is in the factory oh, and her yeah, work is being yeah, yeah. reviewed and the reason I added that is is I just realized it was it was taking like seven or eight pages before we see her use the Orpheum and that's when we actually oh, learn yeah, what Orpheum is. Yeah. And and also the the fact that she works at the Orpheum place is really important. And the only way I was telling that in the beginning of the screenplay is is when Elmer says like, don't you get an employee discount? Yeah. And one line of dialogue like that's not people, people yeah. maybe someone laughs and you can't like you you can't it can't just be one yeah, Mine. no, and I, and I like this because it also shows that she's still a dreamer kind of thing. Right. Um, in, in the sense that she changed the plates, and they were like, why did you change the plates? And she was like, it looked better. And that's the first beat we get of her character. Yeah, right? where it's like, she something she's better. a striver. Right. She wants things to be better. And it, it, it was, again, this was one of the very last scenes that I wrote in, in Act 1, and it was wild to me how easier it, like... Every other scene, like I was just like, oh, I can cut this out. I don't need to worry about explaining it. Like it just, it just made everything work so much better. Cool. Just have a beat where it's like, she works here. This is basically, even if you don't know what Orpheum is, you you get the idea. You yeah. go asleep and you see stuff, and she makes <laughs> the stuff that you see, and and that it just, just it just made everything easier. Um, the other scene was when Joaquin antagonizes Yvonne. And it's it's the only cutaway that we have oh, from Florida. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Kate's uh, little mini monologue about yeah, you know, you're wasting my money, blah blah blah. Right. Huh. And that that this was not the very last scene that I wrote, but it was it was one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. And the the thing which this, uh, I mean, I mean the 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 simplest reason that this is in here. Is is there has to be some moment where we learn that they need a ton of orpheum, right? Yeah. And 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 Yvonne has a line about that in the very first scene, but we, yeah, you need you need that that more like um, put more of an explanation on it or a yeah. highlight. And and if the what 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 this scene does is it it really drives that point home. It gives us like 
it gives us a reason to know that Joaquin is off doing something. We don't have to see him buy the Orpheum. We don't have to have a scene where he's talking about how he wants to go buy the Orpheum. We don't have to... We just we know he's about to go off and do something. And then the, the other thing which this does, which is extremely critically important for Act 2, is we know that Yvonne and Joaquin don't get along. do not get along. Yeah. And... Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but but it's Joaquin is going to be the person who gets monsterized yeah. when they're when they're down in, in the guts. Now it's not going to be a character who <laughs> gets one scene and <laughs> never comes up again. Um, and I, and yeah, this this made this little. It, the scene is less than a page long, mm-hmm. but it uh, every single scene where Flora has to interact with the group, uh-huh. like as soon as she gets to the warehouse. Every single scene is gets easier because of this little thing. Mm. We just we just know so much information that now doesn't have to be explained. Yeah. Um, There's one other thing that you didn't mention hmm. that it's Joaquin's money. Right. Yeah. 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 That's 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 not present in any other scene where it's like this. You're it's my money that is financing this whole thing. Right. Without me, there is no operation. Right. Yeah. And I think that's pretty important because of what it sets up. Not just plot wise, but dynamic for the characters you know? right uh i have i don't know if we're, we're getting there yet but uh, i have one specific note please but no i think we are we are extremely there yeah i have some notes okay i think it would be really cool if xavier does not appear until flora meets him oh yeah mm-hmm. because he shows up briefly in the first scene right and uh then we don't see him again until he like brushes her off uh-huh. uh i think it'd be cool if he was like a Mythologize like this is a Xavier Wilhelm project. He's uh-huh. the big like hype him up as much as you possibly can, and then when she meets him, he's just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh fuck, oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, like this is Xavier Wilhelm. This is the guy, right? You know, um, like you, you see this in screenplays all the time. I'm trying to think of like a good specific example of like this is X or you know, mm, but, right? Um, but I think the more you play it up, the more we understand about like Flora. Too, because right. not just Xavier, but Flora, because Flora's always had this thing where she's like, I work with Xavier Wilhelm, and Xavier uh-huh. Wilhelm's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, you cut the bit where uh, where Elmer, the bodega guy, is like, I knew Xavier Wilhelm, it's a big smash. I did, I did cut that. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, I, I can't tell if it's important yet. I, I don't think that specifically is important, but I would say that knowing more about Xavier Wilhelm is like maybe it's just a billboard that we right. see with his face, yeah. like the new from Xavier Wilhelm. And then at the bottom, it's like starring Keanu Reeves. Or <laughs> right. That's like less he, important, he right? Like make a little more awareness of his fame as a creator. Yeah, right. Um, uh, it's yeah. just so that for Flora, it's like she always. I, I'm thinking of like the uh, the Simpsons episode where uh, Homer is always comparing himself as an inventor to Thomas Edison. <laughs> and he's, he's got that uh, like the image of Homer on a bicycle that he moves from side to side across the track, and then Thomas Edison is at the very far right. And then he goes to Thomas Edison's workshop and sees Thomas Edison had the same thing for Da Vinci. <laughs> uh, so, like, Flora is Homer Simpson in this, right. in yeah. this bit. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, Xavier Wilhelm is so far ahead of me. And she doesn't realize Xavier also has these feelings of inadequacy right. and, uh, in, like, doesn't know really what he's doing and he mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's connected with his art, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Evan, you would tell me about your notes. Yeah. Um, we'll start with, I, I really like, it's, it's a really solid setup, and I can see why you wrote this the way you did in terms of doing second act, third act, first act. Right. Because um, you, you seem to have a clear, you, you obviously have a clear understanding of what's coming next and what needs to be established, so it comes off really well. Um, 
I'm still a little confused about the black to silver thing. Yeah, well, I did add more shit. <laughs> yeah, um, but at you, but the, this time around, what's good is that you establish it as the goal. Right. That that getting the Orpheum from black to silver is the goal, and that that is enough. Mm-hmm. You know that, that there doesn't need to be a whole long monologue about the the exact science of it. Right. But the fact that it is the goal is enough, and the fact that you see the Xavier Wilhelm and Flora last name. Uh, uh, vial that is right. black and silver. Mm-hmm. When you see that, that's also part of like shows their relationship and that they're still right. kind of two different elements. Right. One's complete and she's incomplete. Right. Um, that being said, I feel like Xavier and Flora, their relationship, their their fallout or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, like, why did they stop working together? I'm still curious about all of that. Like in right. reading this setup, where it's like, you know, there there almost needs to be a little bit more drama, maybe a little bit of like moderate regret right. on his end or her end, you mm-hmm. know, some bad blood or something like that. Um, like that was the one thing that like really kind of stuck out to me was that there's really no explanation of, as to why Xavier and Flora stopped working together. Right. Um, I, I agree with you and, and I, I, I have a question yeah. about that. So my, my instinct, and I, I want to know if you guys feel like this is right headed. My instinct is that we, we definitely need more about that relationship. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it could even be, like, baked into her resistance to working with him again. Right. Where when she's talking to Victoria at the restaurant, she's like, well, this this X, Y, or Z happened when right. we worked black to work together last time. We couldn't even finish a fucking project. Right. Um, um, the My gut is that the place to really flesh out that, uh, to answer those questions, is in Act 3. Okay. Because um, that is the... That in that part of the story, it's just Flora and Xavier, and Xavier is on his deathbed. Yeah, and they're in that. But but you want yeah. you also want to set up what they're about to talk about. I think it's breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like uh, maybe Victoria in that scene where they're in the lounge or whatever it is, is a cocktail bar, restaurant, whatever, mm-hmm. is like uh, he asked for you by name, and then Victoria's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Flora's like, do you know what he did? Do you know what he actually did? Yeah, and then Victoria's like. Just ask for you by name. I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, uh, just kind of like that that knowledge that something is amiss. Yeah, right. um, because uh, there's we we get that she doesn't want to work for him, uh, and I, I think the specific reason why shouldn't be in this first act. Right. right. It shouldn't be explicit in the first act. Sure. But it should be hinted at that right. like right. there's something something serious. Well, and it it. it you know, I, I, the, exactly the nature of Flora and Xavier's relationship has been a big question mark for me. How are we doing? We're good. Okay. Uh, for, for this whole writing process and, you know, in, in, in parsing this out in Act 1, it's been like, okay, I have a much clearer idea of, of what that relationship is. Mm-hmm. And now I just want the third act to be Flora and Xavier going like, so what happened? Right. Like, okay, well, we're in this village now. Yeah. We're going to spend years in this village, and you're an old man, and all of my friends are dead. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I, that, like I, I want to get rid of 90% of their dialogue in, in Act 3 and just make it about this. Right. Uh, because that is definitely more interesting to me than whatever bullshit they talk about. I've <laughs> uh, <laughs> seen Xavier going in, in your Act 3 when it's in the second draft, just going like, Hey, we got clearly we have time to talk about this now. Yeah, uh, we have nothing else to do, <laughs> right. so let's let's talk about it. Right you now, and then and I and I feel like the most interesting dynamic for that is Xavier going, "Why the fuck didn't you call me back?" Right. Yeah. If like the whole 
Diana gets built up that she feels like he's this huge, important thing, and she feels like she wasn't able to live up to the the legacy that he had, and she had this chance where she was working with this guy, and then he became big, and if he's on his deathbed and he's like, you broke my heart, man. I was waiting. I was waiting for the call. Like, because right. because he rendered for her on their first project. Like, she was the director, and he yeah. was the one who was like thinking up the plates and shit. And yeah. and I didn't know that. It it is in it is in Act One. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, what here's a oh no it's not an act one it's not it's not it's an act two I changed it you guys haven't read that yet <laughs> I apologize uh, when when she when she talks to Margot when they're walking around the city and she's mm-hmm. building stuff uh, that all that all that dialogue is now explained in act one so when I was like making changes uh, I one of the things is Margot's like well you you worked with him like like and she was like oh actually he he rendered for me yeah and she was like oh that's awesome like. Where can I see it? It's not done. <laughs> in a cardboard box under my bed. And yeah, yeah. It's not even close to finished. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, good. Not yet. I was thinking, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can explore the Xavier-Flora relationship. Mm-hmm. I think, to me, the most interesting version, uh, and I'm sure you've thought about this a lot more than I have, um, is instead of, like, Xavier got too big and betrayed Flora in some way or did some horrific thing, mm-hmm. if... Flora betrayed Xavier. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Like, Flora yeah. was the one who completely fucked him over, and right. uh, he made it big anyway, but, like, she... It, it had to be her failing that she couldn't accept, right. and right. he's ready to forgive her. Yeah, and, and I but, think that the, the the relationship of her being the creator and him being the renderer sets that up, you know, yeah. because then it's, then it's her choice whether or not to finish it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and if she chooses not to finish it and he gets famous in spite of her... Shit. <laughs> right. That's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, sweet. Yeah. No. I I, I agree 100. It, yeah. it it is it is not that. It's definitely the least interesting version. If it's like you owed me fame and fortune, and yeah. because if that's the dynamic, then she just shouldn't be fucking with this guy. She yeah. their answer should be no. Yeah. When Victoria yeah. shows up. Um. Um. One one question I have for you, you b- 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 boys. Um. So. The, the 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 my least favorite part of writing science fiction uh the just technical how does this shit work uh-huh. um i added a new thing i i thought of a new thing for for orpheum and it's it's in these first pages i don't i don't know uh i don't know how explicit this feels right now but um i i added the idea that if you quit an orpheum before it's done you break it Oh yeah, that is new. Yeah, yeah. That's brand yeah, new. Yeah, that's brand that new. Is, that is several days old. Yeah, that that's cool. Though. Dramatically changes a yeah, lot yeah, of story. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I liked it. Okay, I think it works because like with old film, if you only partially develop the exposure, it's not gonna look like what you want it to look like. Right. right. You know. So or the, if you take because it, it's very much like this old film thing, like right? right. where. Uh, if you, you expose it to the light too soon, it ruins it. If you do a lot of things wrong with it, it ruins it. Right. And Orpheum is such an expensive, sensitive thing, and we've seen it be sensitive in other ways, like to people's emotions and whatever. That, right. Uh, I think having it be sensitive to the ending also matters a lot. Yeah. And 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 the the thing which I like about it is, I I, I feel like okay, so if any sci-fi thing that you make up needs to reinforce the theme, and it's it's the idea of quitting before it's done right it's like if if we stop now the dream we're we're never gonna finish it yeah we have to start over Mm -hmm. versus sticking it out and and 
dealing with it even though it's messy and complicated. Even if it's sea breeze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. So thank you guys. That's very, very helpful. I have one more thing. Please, please, please. Um, there, I feel like that first moment in the void after they all go under, mm-hmm. um, is it... I'm probably wrong on this, but is it that is that first moment just Flora in the void, or is it everyone? It's it's just Flora in the void. As, because as, part as of me wants, it. yeah, uh, Flora floats in an infinite blackness. She outside her hand and concentrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not on one. Um, but I kind of want everyone to be in that black void and freaking out because they've never really been there before. I wrote it that way, uh-huh. and it it's here's here's the here's the challenge that I encountered, and sure. and uh, um. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this and, and if I made the right call. The, the the thing which I found was... Oh, I know. We're hearing that. Yeah, sorry. Let me get that, get that going. Um, uh, it's six characters. Yeah. And I, I could not find a way to have six characters freaking out that took less than two pages. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And and the beat is just, whoa, this feels weird. And then and now we're, and now we're back. And now we're in the, the world. So I, I wrote it a couple times with it being everybody. And yeah. I wrote it once where they're all kind of floating together. And it's like, okay, is everyone all right? Did everyone make it? So wait, Okay, good. Flora, go that, for it. That kind of raises a question, though, of like, if Flora goes in first and we only see her, does that mean she's manifesting everyone else into the dream? or the the What is in my head is yeah. everyone is experiencing this. Okay. Cause, because they're in the Orpheum, but there's no content in it yet. Yeah, they, so have, they have no like thing that they can share. So everyone is in by themselves in this black well, void. And that's why Xavier is like, okay, render this, this is what I want you to render so that we can all, we can right. all go there. Um, but it's that, that and, I, and the reason I thought of it that way and not having them all floating together is, is just so I didn't have to write six characters going, whoa, this feels weird. <laughs> well, there, there could also be the possibility that you can't speak when you're in the blackness like that. And it's right. just like physical action of them freaking out. Yeah. And it, yeah, it could just be Flora like looks around and she sees like, Xavier floating out there, and there's Victoria down there. Right, and it's just like I, I, I want to have an, no matter how it comes shakes out, I kind of want an immediate establishment of all six people being there. Uh, I think that's a really good idea, and I think just having them not talk is a is a very elegant solution to that problem. I I'm not sure I would agree with that. Okay, I think uh, seeing just Flora for the moment like establishes a little bit of the risk, a little bit of where she is emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes it clear that, like, you know, th- this is the point of no return, right? right? Where it's like, you're in the Orpheum now, either make the thing that they told you to make earlier, or don't. And if you don't, then everything goes to waste. If you do, you're crossing the threshold. So crossing the threshold is something that a character must do alone. Mm-hmm. At the first threshold, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think um, when she does that, she, she sees herself in the blackness. You don't need any dialogue. We'll get it from seeing it. But uh, maybe maybe we see the other characters off in the distance somewhere, like going like, uh, yeah. like mouthing like Flora, make the thing or, or whatever, or unconscious, yeah, or unconscious, or their eyes are closed and they're just floating, and it's like I, this is up to me, I yeah. have to that, yeah. That. But I would say definitely start with just her, and then right. maybe we see the other characters yeah. shortly. Where it, it starts with her, and then they kind of like slowly pop in, that kind of thing. And, and it is definitely critically important that she feel isolated in that moment, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, any, so I, I'm, I'm pretty antsy to, to tell you boys about changes I want to make for draft two. Okay. Is, is, is now the time to do that? Is I there think more so, stuff? Yeah. Okay. We, t- I touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about writing female characters. 
the single biggest thing, which I'm like, I, I don't feel good about this, and I really want to change it. I'm, I'm curious if you guys have any ideas. No. Uh, the single thing that you don't feel good about in, in, in X-Team and 3? In X-Team and 3, yeah. And it's related to gender. It sure is. I don't want to take a swing and be wrong. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, I'm putting you in a tough position. Okay, yeah. so, so Victoria is a renderer. She was an old school renderer. She's like back in the old days when it was the Wild West and you could get away with anything. And right. you, could, you could go under and render for 10 hours at a time and most of, not that many people survive. She's like an old veteran and, of, of this crazy creative revolution. And she came out with some battle scars, but with a lot of wisdom. And, and she's going to go into this, and she's not more than any of the other characters. She's not going to come out unscathed. Uh, because she has brought all these scars with her from her time. And the thing that's going to haunt her is she didn't get to be a mom. Oh, no. Well, no, she that, in the Axiom 3, she had a son. but didn't, She had a son, but and she, she abandoned him. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, if only that's her biggest regret, is she didn't get to be a... That fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> that really sucks. And, I, and the reason I thought about that was... So, so the, 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 the writing act one last gives and it takes. It mm. gives because I'm like, okay, I know exactly what I need to establish. And, and then I, you also learn exactly what you need to change. Right. Well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, because I, cause the, the, the thing is like, okay, so whatever, I, whatever makes it into the screenplay with Yvonne, uh-huh. that's his personality. And that's what we have to go off of. That's what we can either subvert or reinforce in act two and three. Same thing with all the characters and, and with Victoria. After writing the, the cocktail scene, I was thinking, like, this, like, like whatever haunts her, like, this is the one scene we get to plant a breadcrumb for whatever spoopy thing is going to come back and bite her. Right. And there's no mention of some kid. That there's, she, there's certainly okay. no mention of some kid, and it is certainly would be inappropriate to me. Like, there's no space in that scene for her to be like, also... I regret abandoning my son. There's no place in that scene for I've that. Abandoned my boy. I abandoned my child. <laughs> um, and so I was thinking, like, okay, so that should probably have to do with her time as like a Orpheum gunslinger, rather than some backstory that I made up when I was brainstorming. I just came up with something arbitrary. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, boy, that's that was never a very interesting... It was an extremely tropey backstory, yeah, initially. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, it, it worked at the time, though. Um, I, well, you know... It, it functioned. Yeah. It didn't It didn't do its job well, but it functioned. And and it, 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 got, got, it got me to the end. It got me to Act 3. Right, exactly. And, and thank God for Draft 2s. Yeah. You got to learn more about the character. Right. Because the more yeah. you wrote the character, the more you learned about, like, wait, isn't it more interesting if, like, she... What was that, what was that movie... Uh, that like the chariot scene in like the 1910s 1920s oh yeah 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 I know, where um, all those people and horses died yeah 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 you know? totally what if she was on a production like that and yeah that's what haunts her more than and, like and I you didn't get to you know hug my son right enough. and you know what's Buck Wild hmm. in the draft of Act 2 that you guys read that's in there that she did was on one of those oh yeah they're in, when they're walking through the garden of all the statues of like shit you're guilty about one of the Thing. And, and, and my idea with that was I'm just going to write down a bunch of stuff that you're going to see and people who are diehard fans will try and connect the dots and figure out which statue goes with which character and most people won't care. It's the spooky statues. 
one of the things that they walk past is somebody, a corpse in an Orpheum pod. Yeah. Oh, and and the idea was that it was a project that Victoria was working on, and and one of the renderers died because of the of the whatever. And I just threw that in as like Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's so much better than some son we don't <laughs> give a shit about. That, is, that reinforces, uh, you know, the patriarchy. <laughs> um, she also in uh, in one of these scenes, page seventeen, she says, "I made the palace and tomb of the unknown." Yeah, that feels like a very deliberate. Like, oh, Tomb of the Unknown? Yeah, uh, 30 people died and we covered it up. Right, <laughs> remember, yeah. that, remember that palace? There's a lot of blood in that palace. Right, you know? yeah. Uh, and you, you set yourself up pretty well to Thank you. solve that issue. Uh, I believe Tomb of the Unknown is the name of a classic 80s Dungeons & Dragons module. <laughs> I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really fun. I've played it. Oh, um, yeah. Well, then you definitely know. Yeah. Um, uh, I played it, like, like, 20 years ago so okay. it maybe is called something slightly different um okay so so just the we already talked about how the, the xavier and flora shit i mm -hmm. want to change that in the third act um all of the like orpheum backstories are getting changed in some way where like because I, I wrote each character to have some dark secret that's gonna gonna get welled up when they're when they're in there and now I've written Act 1, and I'm like, well, I know what God established and what didn't. <laughs> yeah. so, um, and for the most part, with the exception of Flora and Victoria, it's pretty much, set dressing is pretty much aesthetic. Like, it's a, it's a control F to change it from one thing to another. It's like, Keimer Soren, control H, gets replaced with Joaquin Wolf, and <laughs> done. Great, we did it. Yeah. Um, Victoria's I want to change in that way. Uh, I think that I want to spend a lot more of Act Two before they get to the spooky cave, building up that dark flora that's going to show up um, instead of having that be isolated to the one part. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there, I, I for the first time read the screenplay from the front to the back, yeah. and there were and there were parts where I was like, "Oh man, this slaps! This is great!" Yeah. And there were huge chunks where I'm like, "None of this! this all of this is garbage." <laughs> uh, Every scene where Victoria and Flora talk in the manor, it's like this is nothing. <laughs> this is uh, so. I just you know, I'm I'm very I feel very energized to like make it better. Yeah, cool. Um, and then Act Three, uh, I wanted I want to focus it on Flora and Xavier's relationship and the ending with how they they break out and how it how mm -hmm. all that comes to be. Uh, I, I, I it's great. It's perfect. I have no changes. No changes. No at all. Ideas. Maybe the, the last, like the last page or so, uh, could change. But like before that, where it's like she's passing down the lineage or whatever, mm -hmm. I think that's great. I I, I'm keeping that. I'm keeping okay. that. It's it's what she finds in the temple when when the final iteration of Flora makes it. She makes it past the big dark thing mm -hmm. and she gets in there. What she finds in there, I think. Is, is gotta is gotta be a little different, and, and I don't know exactly what it is, but it's gotta be that she she ends it. Yeah. She comes up with an ending, and that's that's the only that's the only way it can end. And maybe that ending is. It was all a dream. Yeah. What? Literally. Hey, it was. She's not wrong. Uh, um, so that's that's what's going on in my head. I'm cool. very excited, and uh, I can't wait to call you guys up in a couple months and say like, emergency episode. <laughs> I, got, I got a second draft. I want you guys to read. Yeah. Uh, Evan, uh, uh, second a lot, draft. A what? lot of it is just character development and wording and fleshing out certain different things. Um, 
kind of, it's, a lot of the changes that I want to make aren't, like, adding big scenes and set pieces and things. It's mm-hmm. just, like, small tweaks here and there to make it sort of more, more lived in, you know. Um, but I can't really think of anything specific because, again, when I sat down to write it, I was like, I'm going to forget right. everything <laughs> yeah. that yeah. I want to change and I'll come back to it. I never got the chance to go back to it. Unlearn what you have learned. Right. And so, like, but just, just in terms of reading it, it feels like it moves a little too quickly. Um, it needs to, especially the, the college stuff, I want to give, give more space to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a little more after the, the five-month break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the, the middle part is pretty solid in terms of, like, ratcheting up tension and that kind of thing. But we'll see. It'll probably all change, including their names, you know. <laughs> For the five-month break, can you give Steve a longer beard so we know time has passed? I mean, I can, always. <laughs> could you... Could you... Keep the the screenplay as is, but just note in each scene that his Steve's beard is longer. So sort of, we're like, wait, so did, so wait, did she? How long did she? How long did she crash at his house for then? Right, yeah. Like like she, they have the scene where she's like, I'm crashing at Steve's house, and then it cuts to the next scene. And he has a beard. She she has like a pixie cut. And she's talking with Jordan, and she was like, I stayed at Steve's house last night. And you're like, how many? For how did was this a month? What? Yeah. Don't do any of that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think more so than any specifics, it's just the matter of being excited for a second draft because so much of my first draft experience is like, just got to finish it. Right. Just got to finish it so I can put it away and do something else. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to do something else. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Peter, what, uh, what, do you, what do you think for a second draft? Um, so at this point? Th- what I have here is I haven't reread the whole thing all the way through. Uh, I reread each act when I finished it. Um, but I think what I have is about 93 pages. I'd like it to be 95, 96. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Act 1 is like a scene short, and Act 3 is like one or two scenes short. And there's just some scenes I want to rewrite. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I think I got the arc of everything I was trying to do like in place. It'll, it'll just be like the first scene at the Panda Express where they agree to the bargain is like really awkward. Yeah. And then um, like the scenes where uh, Sammy has therapy with Judy need rewriting. Um, and then there's just a, but a lot of this, like, I'm not going to touch yet just because I feel like it's in place how I want it to be. Right. And, uh, if I change things dramatically, then it'll like negate whatever notes I'm going to get on the next round. Right. So like if I change something that's too big and then I send it out, then that'll, it's like I'm sending out a new first draft. Uh Yeah. Uh, so I just want to get this polished and, you know, uh, shiny. Uh, and then I'll start sending it out. See what happens with it. Um, so I would I would love to I'd love to keep in touch between uh, just with you guys. I'm not I don't feel like ending the friendship. Yet. <laughs> uh, no, I want to I, I want to keep in touch for the next couple of weeks with you guys as we, you know, sort of each go on our own independent journeys to getting this to a draft two. Uh-huh. And I would love to either after we've sent it out to people or right before we send it out to people, but when we have like a polished version of the drafts that we have, uh, I would love to meet up again and do like a yeah. follow-up and, just, cool, and just kind of see, you know, check in. Cool. Um, one thing I want to add, just to sort of this whole first season of this podcast, uh, 16 weeks ago when we, when we first sat down in this very room and... Uh, like talked about just like okay so what are our ideas yeah before we uh 
in that very first episode when we were still pitching. You had an idea. Mm-hmm. You had a couple ideas. Yeah. I had a couple ideas, um, one of which includes uh, The Hobbit, but the dwarves are, like, un- like underpaid contractors. <laughs> like, like, they're just, they're just mercenaries someone hired. Um, yeah. Uh, and also this one, which was Inception, but good. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Um, uh, when we, when we, when I had that homework assignment of come up with an idea for your screenplay, I found that agonizingly difficult. Yes. Um, I was texting my friends saying like, I don't have any ideas for a screenplay. We're meeting in three days. I'm going to be writing this for the next sixteen weeks. I need an idea, and I found that really really daunting and really hard and that i think was was probably the most stressed out that this podcast ever made me was that first time when i was like i don't know what i want to write about yeah now if you guys said okay we're start we're just jumping into season two we're starting out on the next screenplay i don't think i would have any difficult difficulty coming up with an idea and i think that the the big reason for that is because i just came up with something off the top of my head and then took 16 weeks to write it and I think that's the single biggest thing that I feel I've gotten out of this podcast is uh, the pressure of writing has been wildly relieved and alleviated because it it, it's not that hard we just Mm -hmm. one word at a time until the page is full yeah and so I just want to I want to thank you guys for that feels like a really really big difference from 16 weeks ago and I'm really grateful for it well thanks Uh, thank you for you know helping us all do everything we did yes I guess, and, and thank you, listeners, out there one day eventually. <laughs> I guess if we all have closing thoughts, uh, I, I guess we'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> and that was then, <laughs> and that was then, and this is now, and you're listening to this today. Whatever today is for you, for us today is July Fourth. You might hear some fireworks, uh, literally. You might actually hear some fireworks in the next couple of minutes. Um, I think, uh, like Flora in your screenplay uh and like uh steve in your screenplay one big problem for me has always been finishing what i start um and so many times it's been like i'll sit down and be like i've got a great idea or like uh i remember there was one time a few years ago where i wrote 10 pilot ideas a day every day for like two weeks wow uh and i ended up with like dozens of ideas and um it was just like a, a thing for me to stretch the muscles out and challenge myself. Um, but I, I, I've only finished a few projects to a state that I would consider done or close to done. And uh, just having another one makes me feel more like I can do this. Right. You know, like I remember when... You can work it into your schedule. It is possible. Yeah. yeah. Like when we got out of college, it was like, uh, I was so filled with hope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just finished the screenplay. It's really good. It got me a meeting with an agent, and I'm on top of the world, baby. And uh, then I met with the agent, and he, like, shit directly into my mouth. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, let me know when you're ready. I'm like, ah, this is good writing, but you're not ready or whatever. Uh, and uh, and then I was like, okay, whatever. And then eight years passed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, what happened that I wasn't writing as much as I should have been? And it's... You know, having external discipline, I think, is important for me. It mm-hmm. cultivates internal discipline. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to thank you guys for helping me find that. Uh, final thoughts I've got are, this was fun, this was stressful, but we did it, we got it done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you boys. Proud of you boys. Yeah. And I can't wait to do it again. Hell yeah. Uh, on that note, 
what if, but goodbye. Goodbye for now.